Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Friday, October 21st, 2016 here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. No Big Ben as the Patriots take on the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend after taking down the Cincinnati Bengals last week. We welcome in Jacob Klinger from PennLive.com to go over this weekend's matchup. He'll bring in some nice Steelers insight. And we also welcome in Sam Benson-Smith from the newly noted Patriots Wire from USA Today to help us go over the matchup from last week against the Bengals and also what to look forward to with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio. Tony Brown on the other side of the field. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Patriots Beat. I'm your host, Harris Rubinson. It is episode number 144 here on Patriots Beat Podcast. Go find us on clnsradio.com. Go follow us at CLNS Radio, and go find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS fans. I hope everybody has had a great week. I know that uh, it's been a little tumultuous week for me with midterms going around, but hey, that is not going to stop us from talking about some quality Patriots football. So let's let's get right into it because, you know, last uh, I said it uh, on the Patriots post-game show last week that I was actually pretty impressed with how the Patriots played against the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to break that down as well as look ahead towards the game against the Steelers. This this game against the Steelers, <clears throat> I don't care if, if Big Ben is playing or not. You can never count out the Pittsburgh Steelers. This this game, Steelers-Patriots, is always, always a uh, a big game, usually one that's around the uh, some sort of cause uh, of controversy or there's someone missing or, you know, these teams are just two big rivals of the AFC, two big wigs, uh, as I'll call them throughout the show. You know, it's difficult to look around the NFL and try and find two con- two teams who've been as consistently good as the Patriots and the Steelers have been. Patriots, obviously, a little bit more with four Super Bowls over the uh, since the dawn of the century. But at the same time, the Pittsburgh Steelers, since they brought in Ben Roethlisberger, have consistently been one of the best teams in football, uh, have a couple up and down years based off his injury history. But again, this year, 4-2, and two, although coming off of that weird loss to the Dolphins, but we'll get into that, but should be a big, big matchup. This week, no matter what. But anyway, let's let's look back at their matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, uh, well, I mean, Donta Hightower, Donta Hightower, Donta Hightower, Donta Hightower, Donta Hightower, Donta Hightower. Just, it's really all you need to take away from this game is that he looked incredible, finally healthy away from that meniscus tear that he'd been battling. Uh, I think he came out and said that he's now fully healthy, fully back and forth. Uh, excuse me, from that injury fully uh, healthy again. And it was really great to see him being that powerful when he's healthy because I brought it up uh, during the postgame show that he is the size of a defensive lineman or defensive end that plays linebacker with the speed of a safety. So he just has all of these physical tools that just match up to create what should be an incredible NFL linebacker, but his one deficiency has been the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when he's on the field, I think it's fair to say that he is one of the best linebackers in football. Next, It's going to be nice to see hopefully him and Jamie Collins fully healthy, playing next to each other in one game, On this defense, finally. They've only played eight of the last 18 possible games together due to one or the other being injured for an extended period of time, whether it was Collins being sick last year or Hightower battling uh, knee injuries through the past two years. So it has been uh, inconsistent to see them on the field at the same time, but I'm hoping that next week we finally see them. But again, this game against the Bengals, a lot of things to 
look at from a positive standpoint. Positively, uh, again, the defense allows under 20 points, only 17 points, to a decently uh, talented Bengals offense. They shut down Giovanni Bernard pretty well. They shut down A.J. Green as well as you possibly could. Uh, Brandon LaFell had a nice revenge touchdown, but at the same time, you know it's Brandon LaFell. He'll he'll do his thing, whether it's a touchdown or three catches here and there. Braves, you know. He's a decent player. Did a good job for the Patriots for those two years. Helped win the Super Bowl. I know, you know, that, that big catch against the Baltimore Ravens in that playoff game was, was a catch that I'll never forget. So, Brandon LaFell obviously uh, is owed thanks by the Patriots fans. Uh, so, just continue to appreciate the the stats he gave to the Patriots in that 2014-2015 seasons. But anyway, moving on to what else I saw for the defense. Uh, they need more pass rush. So... You know, I, I came into this year very confident about this team's pass rush, and I do remain confident in the abilities of this team pass rush. I think that it is fair to say at this point that the best defensive end so far in the AFC this year has been Jabal Sheard, whether it's been his uh, consistency, his actual numbers he's put up, the constant pressure, constant just, you know, run defense. He's been one of their best defenders this year and has been one of the best defensive ends in football so far this year, whether it's pro football focus, NFL 1000, uh, whatever ranking system, or just basically just watching him. He's been one of the best uh, defensive ends in football so far this year. So it's been nice to see him continue on. Again, it's going to be hard to re-sign everyone next year. Uh, Jeff Howe just released a really good article about the different defenders that they have. Uh, it was more of a feature on Donta Hightower, but at the same time, he listed off a lot of the defenders that they need to bring back. It's Deron Harmon, Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler, Donta Hightower, Jamie Collins, Jabal Sheard, Allen Branch, just, you know, seven really important players on this defense. But at the same time, the defense is still performing well now. I know a lot of people have been giving the defense a lot of grief for kind of struggling in the first half, maybe giving up a couple more yards than people than people want. But at the same time, I mean, come on. They're, they're giving up under 20 points a game. As long as the offense is scoring over 20 points a game, I don't think the defense is something to uh, to be that worried about. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of potential. I think this defense grows more and just learns how to play together healthy. Then I think that they should be good to go. But looking at the offensive side of the ball, uh, one thing that really impressed me, to be totally honest, is was how this team played in the second half. Now, this team had a problem last year with getting off to slow starts uh, in games. On the game against the Cowboys, the score at the end of the first half was like thirteen to six or something, and then they ended up annihilating them throughout the second half. This team had problems scoring points in the first half all last year. I'm not really sure if it's setting up deception for the second half or they just can't get into a rhythm early. I'm not really sure what it is, but again, it's something that you want your offense to do. You want to see them come out and attack the other team pretty quickly. You don't want to see them sitting back and just, oh, this, this, and that, blah, blah, blah. We're going to take some run plays, and here's a second and eight draw play. Like, you don't want your offense to start the game droning on. And even, you know, I think, thankfully the Patriots offense hasn't conceded a lot of turnovers so far. But again, you don't want them to be turning the ball over in the first half. Brady hasn't thrown an interception or fumbled the ball in his first two games so far. So it's nice to see uh, no turnovers in the first half. But again, you know, you want to see the offense come out to a hot start. And they, you know, they did against the Browns, uh, putting up 26 points, I believe, in the first half. But again, that was the Browns. And against a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, which is still a playoff caliber team, you do need to come out on a hot start. I think the Bengals kind of surprised them with how well they played coming off of a couple of really bad losses. The Bengals have not been a good team this year. So them dropping to, I think they're 2-4, and 3-3 four, three and three now, is pretty typical for what we should uh, – expect from this Bengals team uh, this year, uh, which is kind of surprising. I thought they were going to be very good. But hey, you lose Marvin Jones and you lose Mohamed Sanu and you don't replace them. You replace them with Brandon LaFell. This is what you get. And Tyler Eifert's still out. So that's what they get. The Cincinnati Bengals, uh, I think we saw very much who the Cincinnati Bengals were with all the Vontae's perfect stomping and all the crap and all the whatever stuff they're doing on the field. He got fined. They're trash. It's over. Move on. They got the win. If LeGarrette Blunt is healthy, then that's all that should really matter. Martellus Bennett didn't get his knee blown out. We all know that Vontae's perfect is a dirty player. Whatever. Still one of my favorite linebackers in football. But at the same time, he's a certifiable dirty, dirty son of a gun. But anyway, let's look at this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we have Jacob Klinger from uh, Penn Live 
coming on later to give us some of his thoughts about the Pittsburgh Steelers, about their loss to the Dolphins last week, and what we should expect this week uh, from the from the Patriots matchup with the Steelers. And just from an on-paper standpoint, I think it's pretty easy to look at the Steelers team with no Ben Roethlisberger, Landry Jones gets the start uh, with ben, Big Ben having that torn meniscus injury, needing surgery on it. Maybe we'll be out four to six weeks, but as Jacob reminds us, four to six weeks is a simple projection where you're never really sure what you're going to get out of Ben Roethlisberger on a week-to-week basis. You never know when he's just going to pull a, uh, a Dr. Frankenstein and just uh, just come out and start playing on one leg. But anyway, let's look at this from a strictly analytical standpoint. Here comes Landry Jones, a guy that's 1-1 one one in his career as a starter. He's looked okay when he's played in NFL games. Hasn't looked great, hasn't looked horrible, has just looked okay. Had a weird tendency of looking away from Antonio Brown instead of targeting him more. He loved Martavis Bryant last year, and he loved Heath Miller. Obviously now, both of those guys are gone. No Heath, no Heath Miller, no Martavis Bryant. It is now Jesse James. It is now um, Sammy Coates. It is now Eli Rogers. So a very different offensive core that Landry Jones is going to be working with. But again, you have the same guys. You have Le'Veon Bell. You have Antonio Brown. Bill Belichick said it again this week. Le'Veon Bell is a fantastic player. It was a little strange to see him only get 10 carries against the Miami Dolphins. And I don't think that's really correct. I think if you are going against a team like the Miami Dolphins, who just aren't a very good team at covering running backs. I think the Patriots proved that. I think a lot of other teams have proved that, that they just aren't good at stopping the run or covering running backs. But instead, they allow themselves to get run over by Jay Ajayi and try not to fight back with Le'Veon Bell. I have no idea why they would decide not to use Le'Veon Bell in a game like this. But hey, that's, you know, I'm not I'm not Todd Haley. But Coming into this game against the Patriots, I think we're going to see a lot of Le'Veon Bell. This seems like a game where Le'Veon Bell could take over, rush for 200 yards, and just kind of dominate the Patriots, and the Patriots might actually lose this game if Le'Veon Bell goes off. Because Le'Veon Bell really hasn't had the game this year where, you know, he puts up 130 yards on the ground, he puts up 90 yards uh, on uh, in the air, plus, you know, a touchdown or two. We've really seen that Le'Veon Bell. He has had at least 100 yards from scrimmage in every single game so far, which should be expected from him at this point. He's he's a pretty much a double-digit uh, fantasy, what's the word, maven or whatever the word I'm trying to come up with. Every single week, he gets at least double-digit points. So we should expect that again, a little fantasy time with Harris Rubenstein. But Le'Veon Bell should be a big... Um, a, a big player in this game. I'm not really sure how Antonio Brown is going to play. The last time the Steelers played the Patriots, it was in Foxborough week one last year, and Antonio Brown completely whipped Malcolm Butler in his first game as the starting quarterback, cornerback for the New England Patriots. But now we're faced with a completely different Malcolm Butler. We're faced with the Malcolm Butler who's arguably one been or at least in my opinion, has been one of the best corners in football so far this year. Gave him his first touchdown this past week. And even this past week when covering the likes of A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and Brandon LaFell, he looked really good. He only gave up uh, three catches on seven targets for only 17 yards. Had three separate pass deflections. Should have had an interception as well. Was easily one of the most dominant defensive players on the field. It was very difficult to get anything against Malcolm Butler this entire season in general. So I think he's dying for another crack and Antonio Brown. But it also brings up another perspective. What do you do with Malcolm Butler at the end of the season? So not only is he kind of in the middle of his prime right now, but Malcolm Butler is 28 years old. And as we're seeing with DeWal Rivas, you never really know when, or uh, Asante Samuel even, you never really know when the buck is going to stop and they're going to get into problems with... uh, uh, with contract issues, and you never know when you're going to get into issues with ages as well with these cornerbacks. So with him in his 20 year, uh, age 28 season, obviously he's playing fantastically. This is his prime, but you don't really know what he's going to do in his 29s and his 30s and his 31 years old. So it's going to be interesting to see how they manage his contract expectations over the next couple of seasons. But anyway, just looking for this weekend, he should be he should be chomping at the bit for this matchup against Antonio Brown. I mean, the, he should be looking for a little revenge after Antonio Brown completely embarrassed him. I believe it was eight catches for 130 yards and a touchdown in that first game. Obviously, the Patriots still came away with the win, but not exactly what you want to see out of your number one corner going 
against uh, a very, very talented wide receiver. Again, it's Antonio Brown. He's going to get his, but at the same time, if you're an elite corner like Malcolm Butler wants to be, you need to put up some sort of resistance at this point. Looking elsewhere, uh, Jesse James has been one heck of a threat this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's basically been what Heath Miller was. They're the same exact player. It, it's really funny that they went from Heath Miller to Jesse James. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Ladarius Green this year. Ladarius Green has been uh, uh, injured. One of their biggest free agent signings this year has not really seen the field at all, which should be concerning if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But at the same time, their offense has been working just fine. I love their offensive line. I thought their offensive line was going to be a big weakness for them this year. It's actually turned out to be a decent strength. Alejandro Villanueva, their left tackle, who's uh, the, like the 6'8", National Guard, uh, Marine, Army vet. I'm not really sure which uh, service member he is, but I think Navy maybe? Not really sure. But either way, he's played spectacularly this year as the left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup with this Patriots defense versus this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. How are they going to cover Le'Veon Bell? Thank God that Jamie Collins is going to be back this week, we hope. I think that's why they were very precautious with him against the Bengals, just so they could have him back with this game against the Steelers. Because you you want him on Le'Veon Bell. That's who you want um, shading him and shadowing him. All across the field. So it'll probably be Jamie Collins on Le'Veon Bell. It'll probably be Malcolm Butler on Antonio Brown. You'll have Donta Hightower doing a lot of work with the blitz, trying to get uh, through that A-gap to get to Landry Jones. I think we're going to see a little bit more blitzing than we saw last week against Andy Dalton. I think too much the Patriots sat back in a zone and waited for the Bengals to come to them. I think we're going to see more blitzing this week. I think we're going to see a lot of linebacker blitzings with Collins. I think we're going to see more Landon Roberts uh, as we keep going on. Jonathan Freeney was quietly put on the IR. I think it's because they kind of realized that, eh, Jonathan Freeney isn't actually that good. He's a great locker room guy, but not a great football player. And I think they also realized that Landon Roberts has been an absolute stud from that backup linebacker position, making tackles all over the place, making explosive plays in the passing game as well. So it's been really cool to see Alandon Roberts make such a big impact. I didn't even think he was going to make the team initially. I had him being a practice squad guy, but he's come out with the third and fourth, uh, the third and fourth preseason games, and now with the, uh, the the game against Cleveland, the game against Cincinnati, and going to this game against the Steelers, he is in great form on an absolute hot streak for this Patriots defense. Uh, a, a spot that they've had trouble filling over the past couple years has been that backup inside linebacker position. So if they can fill that with a Landon Roberts for years to come, I think that is something to be very happy, uh, very happy about, and also something to be proud of. But with that being said, we're now going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to get into our Behind Enemy Lions segment as we welcome in Jacob Klinger from PenLive.com to go over his predictions for this week's game with the Patriots versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of CLNS Radio, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice, and live on CLNSRadio.com immediately after every single Pats game. Call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest we also got the stars and sorries of the day twitter polls for the play of the game and everything else that is going on with the four-time super bowl champions subscribe to the clns radio new england pages post game show on itunes and stitcher and the best way download the free clns radio mobile app for on-demand listening anytime any place anywhere Hello, everybody, and welcome back into Patriots Beat. It's now time for our Behind Enemy Lines segment. This week, we welcome in Jacob Klinger, the Pittsburgh Steelers Beat Report for PennLive.com. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us this week. How are you feeling? Like the enemy, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right, actually. Good, good. Well, how are you? I'm I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm happy to have you on. I'm happy that uh, that we get some Steelers Patriots this week. Obviously, one of the one of the more exciting matchups that we get in the AFC uh, year after year, but I'm, I, I gotta ask, as, a, as someone who covers the Steelers, what what happened to them last week? 
you know, I, I was thinking about it. And at first, you know, I was as shocked as anyone. And then I started to do the math a little bit. And one, you know, they played down to their opponent. I think that's fair to say. But also, you still have some real problems. Cameron Hayward, who's their standout right defensive end, one of the highest paid players on the team and in the position in the league, uh, for good reason, was out. Um, and he pretty consistently draws a double team. And he's also pretty phenomenal at stopping the run. They replaced him with a journeyman defensive end in Ricardo Matthews. And uh, inside, Javon Hargrave had to play more snaps than he has uh, in his whole career. He's a rookie. Uh, the secondary is still not the strength of the team by any means. Ben Roethlisberger had a shaky performance before he got hurt and made worse decisions after he got hurt. Uh, and he hasn't been, you know, he's had stellar performances this year, but he's also had very inconsistent stretches. And the one in Miami was just the most recent. And when you're giving away the ball that much, you're not maintaining drives, you're getting dominated in terms of possession. These are some things that Mike Tomlin has pointed out in the past couple of days, but they're all true. Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of asking to get beat by a bad team, and that's exactly what the Steelers got. So uh, it was shocking in, in the larger context of the season, but in terms of the problems that are actually weighing this team down, it makes sense. And, you know, you, you look at this Steelers team, and they've had a couple problems in the past of, uh, you know, playing down to opponents and not bringing the right energy. Because I always believe that good teams need to be able to beat bad teams. It's just, it, it's a weird thing, but sometimes teams just can't do it. But the Steelers are a very talented team, obviously. A lot of talent on that offense. But, you know, the big headline, you know, no Ben Roethlisberger now for four to six weeks. And, well, hold on now. Yeah. Is it, the words the words that were used is expected to or could miss four to six weeks. Fair. So who knows? I could trip and fall into the Monica Helio River in the next couple of days, but I don't think I'm going to. And that's not to say that it's not a credible report. It's just there's a history of uh, the ranges of expectation being moved around a lot on Ben Roethlisberger's injuries. Very true, because you never know when that guy's just going <laughs> to decide to turn into Frankenstein one day and just go out on the field with one leg. He's, he's truly a, a modern marvel of, uh, of injury prevention. But obviously he's going to unfortunately miss the game this Sunday. Landry Jones yeah. comes in. Uh, I think he's their third-year backup now. He He's okay when he comes in and looks. How do you expect the offense to look with him instead of Ben? It's so interesting that you said he's okay because all of the talk out of Pittsburgh is, woe is he, he's so terrible. And I'm more inclined to be somewhere in the middle of that and say, yeah, he's okay. And I think he's been okay. He was something like 32-55 in the regular season last year, 2-5 against the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs where he was objectively quite bad. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, he's, he's, he's hung in there. And it's been winnable for the Steelers. Um, certainly the offense changes without Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe not so much in terms of how it looks, but probably how it acts. And... I mean, unfortunately for the Steelers, we're talking about a game where the defense has to not just be stomachable, but actually win the game uh, for for them. Because Mike Tomlin said the other day, you know, this can't be a shootout if the Steelers are going to win. The thing that strikes me the most about Landry Jones stepping in for Ben Roethlisberger is that he disproportionately, Landry Jones did, uh really, really targeted Martinez Bryant last year. He also threw the ball to Heath Miller uh, a little more than than, than you might think. Uh, but overwhelmingly, Martinez Bryant, which is obviously, you know, his absence has hurt the team as a whole, but especially affects a backup cornerback who needs an easy out target and, more importantly, needs someone to split the field, split the defense, uh, in terms of having someone to, to stretch it opposite Antonio Brown. And, I mean, that's been a problem for Ben Roethlisberger. It's been a problem for the, the whole Steelers offense this year. But it doesn't get any easier when it's Landry Jones' problem to solve. And as someone who's kind of watched the Steelers from a more third-party perspective, it seems that uh, yeah. Sammy Coates has kind of become that guy. How has he blended into they the offense? They Like, they've, they've really tried to set him up to be in that role and force teams to respect him in that role. And, you know, he had a, a very good game against the – was it the Chiefs? When he had like a hundred some yards, I think so. But, I he mean, had he two touchdowns, had, right? 
Yeah, he could have had a Julio Jones-esque day mm-hmm. if he didn't drop a bunch of easy passes. Given, we found out later in the game that his hand had been cut and later in the week that his finger had been broken. But the Steelers are trying to shoehorn him into that role. Darius Hayward Bay nominally could, could do the same, but uh, it's nowhere near the same because Martavis Bryant has, you know, you always talk about guys that are special. Um, and if you're in the NFL, you know, relative to the human population, you're pretty special. Yep. But Martavis Bryant's ability to a stand at six foot five, b uh, possess world class speed in the open field, and c do the same in in short spaces is pretty unmatched throughout the league. And there's there's really no structural solution to that. The Steelers certainly haven't found one. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, coming out with that offense, even without Big Ben, I mean, Le'Veon Bell has come back this year, been pretty studly, over a hundred yards from scrimmage in every single game. But one thing that kind of confused me, he only had 10 carries against the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins team, who isn't very good on defense at all. Sure, they were down for a considerable part of that game. But at the same time, you know, as, as Bill uh, Belichick Not that said, early, though, and not that much. Yeah. Le'Veon I, I, Bell is I, a fantastic I, player. He is. And part of the, the problem is at least twofold. There's, there's probably a lot more folks, but there's two that I can see. Um, and... <laughs> And one of them is that for at least the second time this year, I think anyway, the Steelers got away from the run too quickly. Um, they they just set themselves up to fall further and further behind, and they did so. Um, they did the same, I believe, against the Philadelphia Eagles, and, and that was with D'Angelo Williams, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But, it, I mean, it was, it was pretty clearly a problem for them. The other part of it is that they're having to use Le'Veon Bell to balance the passing game, uh, whether that's to sort of compensate for, for Martavis Bryant not being on the field. You know, they'll split him opposite uh, Antonio Brown, and, and why, while he doesn't necessarily dictate the same double team that Martavis Bryant would, a one-on-one between Le'Veon Bell and the linebacker in the open field is a serious problem for a defense, uh, assuming Le'Veon Bell can get the ball quickly. So he's getting a lot of touches. He's just not getting them in the way that you might think. The problem is, is that the Steelers aren't replacing those touches with other runs. And while there is some element of, you know, unbalancing a defense through the short passing game, it's not the same as being able to punish a team through the middle, which is what they've been able to do with Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams when they've chosen to do so. So it's really extra critical uh, as it's ever been, but even more so because of the opponent, that the Steelers not fall behind quickly against mm-hmm. the Patriots, and that if they do go behind by a score or so, that they not completely abandon the run. Um, you know, it would be difficult for them to catch up in a hurry anyway. It's going to take a measured approach uh, for them to get back in this game regardless if they do find themselves behind or in a close one, which inevitably is probably the best-case scenario this weekend. So looking at the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers, uh, I mean, they spent the first their first three picks of the pass draft on defense. They seem yeah. a, a little bit better. I think they're a decently stable team on defense. But here we go with the two tight ends now both fully healthy, both fully unleashed on the rest of the NFL. What do the Steelers bring to the table to try to stop Martellus Bennett and Gronk? Well, this is the real test, right? The, the Steelers has solved some of their problems on, on defense. They still give up a really absurd split of, of passing yards allowed without conceding a ton of points. However, um, and they haven't, they haven't been hurt as, uh, by tight ends as badly as they have in the past. However, they haven't faced Rob Gronkowski and, and certainly not a team with a second uh, tight end is as good of a threat as Marcellus Bennett is. Tom Brady talked about this with uh, Pittsburgh reporters the other day. Um, and the thing is, to me, that really stands out is this is a big test for how much the Steelers have faith in Sean Davis, their second-round pick out of Maryland, who they, they drafted to be a basically a press safety, um, mm-hmm. a guy who can you know, move in and play in the slot, for instance, which he has and, and did an okay job of. But last week, uh, at least in preparation, they moved him strictly to safety, uh, strong safety, safety doesn't actually matter depending on the scheme but it will be interesting for me and everyone else I would think to see if he does remain or go back to a slot corner position because physically he's one of the better matchups to defend against against Gronkowski and Bennett 
Um, Ryan Shazer could also be a factor there. He's trying to get back from the right MCL mm-hmm. um, injury. Some combination of those two being involved is the Steelers' best bet, but I don't think you really win those matchups. You just try not to lose them by multiple touchdowns. Right. So with with all things considered with this Steelers' defense, with uh, how good the Pats' offense has been since Brady's come back, even without Ben Roethlisberger, this is still a Pittsburgh Steelers team that will always scare me. You never know what they're going to bring to the table. One of the scare you? Scare you? One of the wackiest. I, I I never take the Steelers for granted. You never know what they're going to pull out of the hat. But you know, the, the, one of the I'm my favorite, one of my favorite matchups every single year: Steelers Patriots. Right. What's What's your prediction for this game? I think the Patriots win by at least two scores. Two scores. Yeah. Give me a number. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you two numbers. Let's go um, 36 to 19. 36 to 19. I, I, You know, if the Patriots can pull out 36 to 19 win against the Steelers, I'll be pretty pretty, uh, pretty happy with that one. Jacob Klinger, any final notes? I think notes? you're going to be pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any final notes before we let you go? I'm just looking forward to your Sunday evening happiness. That's all. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jacob. Have a great uh, have a great weekend. I hope you enjoy the game. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. CLNS Radio's leading online coverage of the Boston Celtics now even more comprehensive than ever. From the Celtics post-game show to the Guard Report to CSL and to Celtics Beat, CLNS Radio's Boston Celtics news feed provides narrated breaking news, game recaps, and news and notes for the NBA's winningest franchise, all provided in real time. Don't have the time to surf the web or search engines and plunge your head into your computer or smartphone to read up on all the latest on the Celtics? No problem. Multitask while listening to CLNS's Celtics news feed. And for the 2016-17 NBA campaign, the Boston Celtics pregame report with myself, Larry A. Trussell, will be released on the news feed on game days at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, making it the first pregame report to air anywhere. We will give you a featured interview from someone providing opposing insight, pregame notes, and go on a Celtics draft pick watch, all in just 12 minutes or less. Available on the Boston Celtics news feed on iTunes and Stitcher, and the CLNS Radio mobile podcast app. Welcome back into Patriot Speed. It's now time for our featured guest segment. This week, we are honored to be joined by Sam Benson-Smith of the, I guess, newly created Patriots Wire uh, for the USA Today football blogs. Uh, a lot of great people over there. Henry, Henry McKenna, the former Boston.com uh, sports writer, staff writer, is now their lead editor. Sam, you come over from Boston.com as well. Give us a little mix-up about the new Patriots Wire. Uh, so Patriots Wire is... Uh Kind of going along with uh, well, the compar- comparison I would make is uh, SB Nation does it very well that they've dedicated team sites. Uh, USA Today Sports Network uh, decided to basically kind of go along the similar way, uh, you know, a-, a ways back. And now being that New England Patriots are uh, one of the most dedicated and largest fan bases, they decided to pick up uh, Patriots Wire. And uh, here we are. We uh, kicked up our coverage in the beginning of September. Uh, and yeah, since then I believe we're uh, we're up there as far as the uh, the wire sites go because uh, there's a, a handful of them. There's I think well over a dozen or maybe two dozen uh, wire sites. But yes, Patriots Wire, all Patriots news by your Patriots boys. That's us. So uh, it's great. It's actually three. Uh, three Boston.com alums are currently on board. Myself, Henry McKenna, and PJ Wright, who is also another correspondent with me uh, back back in the day. Throw, throwing out that uh, that sweet, sweet quality Patriots content. Thank you for joining us My today pleasure. in the booth, Sam. So let's let's get right into it. We got we got a big matchup this week: Patriots versus Steelers. One of uh, one of the premier matchups that the AFC can really offer nowadays. It's kind of hard to see, you know, exactly what they can offer uh, in terms of good matchups anymore, but. Patriots-Steelers, no Big Ben. Here comes Landry Jones, University of Indiana, coming off the bench mm-hmm. to try and get the Steelers team a win. What do you see for this weekend uh, with Landry Jones now in the starting lineup? So uh, my my thing with Landry Jones is uh, my, my my personal research into him as a player is, is, is as in-depth as a scout could do for him as an NFL quarterback right now. I still don't think there's enough tape to be able to fully judge how he's going to uh, perform. I think that... He is not teed up well, uh, just considering how the Steelers' defense is currently playing, uh, what kind of numbers they're letting up. They are dead last, or actually second to last in the NFL right now in yards let up 
period in total defense. And I think they're maybe fourth to last in passing yards let up. They're doing all right with TDs and interceptions. But either way, the yards and, and time of possession that they allow from opposing offenses is going to equate to Landry Jones being quickly on and off the field, the defense getting tired. I just don't think that him, even with the weapons that he's had, and you can look at the Patriots, uh, you know, their first four weeks of the season, you plug and play a quarterback into a good system. Uh, then he's going to be fine. Mike Tomlin, one of the better coaches in the NFL. However, Mike Tomlin isn't Bill Belichick. Nope. Landry, Landry Jones isn't Jimmy Garoppolo, or I would say maybe he's better than Jacoby Brissett. But Probably better than Brady, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, w- I would guess. But I, I think that uh, the Steelers overall will see moderate success without Big Ben. I, I see them posting a 500 record in his absence, assuming he's out six weeks. Um, but this week, I definitely think that uh, it's, it's not super likely. They are at home. Uh, their only two losses have come away this season, but I think it's gonna it's gonna come out that the the Patriots are gonna keep on rolling. Tom Brady is gonna take advantage of an offense that or take advantage of a defense that lets up a lot of yards. I think he's gonna go above 400 yards again, and I think it's gonna be about 31-17. It's interesting to look at this Steelers team, especially last week. You know, they go into Miami and just basically get blown out by Jay Ajayi in Miami. I, I remember watching the game and the whole time. I was like, this is. This is weird. Why are the why are the Pittsburgh Steelers getting annihilated with like a fully healthy team? Le'Veon Bell is healthy, Antonio Brown's healthy, Sammy Coates is healthy, like everyone's healthy except Ladarius Green, and they're just getting blown up by Miami. Mm. But you know, one of the interesting things about this Steelers team this year is you know Le'Veon Bell. You know, coming off of that three game suspension for the beginning of this year, he had a good first game, has broken 100 yards from scrimmage, as I've said uh, throughout the podcast today. But Le'Veon Bell, at the same time, you know, he was only given 10 carries last week he's only given like four catches so that's like like a little a little over 10 touches a game and you know this is Le'Veon Bell this is one of the premier playmakers and I'm wondering is 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 this Le'Veon Bell's coming out party is Le'Veon Bell gonna be given like 30 some touches this game David Johnson style Mm, I I think that if they if they're hoping uh to to have a chance against against uh New England they're going to have to get the that ball to Le'Veon Bell obviously uh you know, there's plenty of playmakers on the Pittsburgh team, but it's, it's just basically I think the game plan going along with that is going to be minimizing the amount of time that Landry Jones has his hands on the ball. You're going to be looking at three-step drops. You're going to look at quick decision-making. Um, but in addition to that, yeah, it's, it's going to be trying to get it to Bell, trying to get it to Brown, uh, you know, get it in playmakers' hands and just trying to do something quick and simple, uh, an offense that – that, you know, get him a few good completions early on. I think, obviously, just going along with filling in for, for you know, such a franchise quarterback, such a star like Ben Roethlisberger, it, it'll be very crucial for Landry Jones to get his confidence up early. So I think they're going to – I don't think they're going to crank it out. You're not going to see a lot of deep passes. But it's it's going to be a, a slight redesign to just see Landry Jones get those first completions pretty early. And just speaking to the the Dolphins game, um, you know, with the, with the Steelers, and I, I mentioned in an article last week that uh, – the Dolphins went from having their home team chanting Matt Moore's name, who is still apparently in the league. Matt Moore. Matt Moore. There was a there was an uprising in, in uh, of Finns fans who were chanting for Matt Moore to replace Ryan Tannehill. And then you have a performance last, like last week. He wasn't anything special last week, no. but Ryan Tannehill you know. will always be good enough that you don't need another quarterback. Or he, he will, yeah, he will always be good enough, but he'll never, no, he'll never be bad enough that you need to replace him with a quarterback, but he'll never be good enough that he's going to get you to a Super Bowl. No, and on top of that, the, I think this is fortunately, because I've been so sick of these articles, I think this is the last year that we're going to have articles that was like, is this Ryan Tannehill's breakout fantasy year? And I'm like, no, he was a wide receiver in college. <laughs> Calm down. Ant- Antoine Randall L didn't turn out to be anything. He wasn't very good. And I mean, Edelman or, or what have you. Either way, people need to calm down about Tannehill. I think if he was in a, Maybe if he was in a better place, all right, he could he could work. But I, I don't think they they utilize what skill sets I think he has confidence in, uh, and the fact that he he I, I think he could be in a, a better designed mobile offense. But I just I have never had faith in Ryan Tannehill, and I will continue not to. They do have great playmakers in Devontae Parker um, and what's his face Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. Uh, but yeah, they, those guys unfortunately are, are are kind of stapled down to having a subpar top maybe 15th ranked quarterback uh that's always going to be ahead of their up so to switch uh switch gears here let's go from pat let's go from pat's defense to steal his offense to steal his defense versus pat's offense so last week in cincinnati was the second week in a row where we saw 
the full scale attack force that this New England Patriots offense can bring, minus only Deion Lewis. But you have both tight ends out on the field. We saw Gronk, we saw Bennett, Amendola was out there, uh, Edelman was out there, Chris Hogan was playing, uh, Blunt and James White, and he, Malcolm Mitchell, and it just keeps going. And there's so many. Julian Edelman eerily absent as he's been this season. Yes, and it's weird that like they haven't really been using him as much, but at the same time, it might be good that they, I think that they're intentionally looking away from him to almost save his body for the rest of the year because yeah. you can use Gronk and Bennett because they'll be fine and then to, as you get to close to the end of the season you start using your wide receivers a little bit more but this Pats offense over the past two weeks uh, despite like what, the weird half of football they had against the Bengals in the first half for three halves now this offense has basically been unstoppable mm-hmm. and you have a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that I came into this season t- questioning why everyone was like oh the Steelers team's a Super Bowl team, and I'm like, they have no secondary. Mm-hmm. They have one good, one and a half good defensive lineman. They have one good linebacker who's like 32 years old, and the other one is never on the field. Mm. And this, this, this defense never made sense to me. But they've been playing okay this season. Yeah, but at I, the same time, it's not really a big special thing. I mean, the thing is, like, you look at, uh, I think, just in, in terms of, of passing defense. Obviously, they've been letting up an absurd amount of yards through the air, uh, but they've only allowed six passing touchdowns this year. Good uh, to three interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know, if, if if at the end of the day your quarterback throws for two touchdowns and one interception in a day, you'd probably be like, uh. I mean, you could do better, but that's fine. I mean, yeah. it's 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 good in the sense that it's kind of like something you saw with the Giants' defense earlier this year, and to an extent, a little bit later on, but definitely earlier on in the year, Ben not break. They would let up an absurd amount of yards, uh, and then you know they they wouldn't break and allow those touchdowns. But that that's my issue with them just going along with you know having you know not a fantastic. Uh, secondary, you know, you might have those games where you're doing just fine and going along with, I mean, it was, I think it was very explicitly said, maybe I think Brady said in a press conference, this veteran defense, this veteran defense can't sustain Ben not break for a year. They're mm-hmm. going to get tired. And at some point it's just going to be, I mean, there'll be a slip up and then they're a team that's letting up 280 yards through the air on average, in addition to letting up those touchdowns. And I just don't think it's sustainable. They got to, they're, they're a team that, doesn't have I mean the, their only saving grace is the fact that they haven't been letting up an absurd amount of touchdowns but uh it's a it's a team that needs to I mean it needs a shot in the arm it needs a, a, I mean I, I I'm surprised they didn't do moves to kind of revitalize it in in the off season but yeah it, it's a just a it's a defense that does not impress me I get it's it's the Steelers defense you know you think Steelers yeah. defense but I don't know. It's it's like Lawrence honest. Timmons is super old. Chaser can't stay healthy. Cam Hayward's good, but he's had a bad year. Steven Tuitt, the guy from Notre, the guy from Notre Dame, second round pick from last year, he's all right. Mm. But like you, I I just look around that defense, and you know if you're if you're a Patriots fan, you have to be confident looking at that defense because your first thought when you go into any game for the rest of the season should be, can the do they have anyone on their defense that can cover a tight end? Do they have anyone on their defense that can cover two tight ends at the same time? Mm. And if you look at their defense with Ryan Shazer being hurt with um, the – oh, they got this safety from Maryland who's okay. Eh, like they just – they don't really have a guy on their defense who can specifically cover tight ends. Like if you look at the Dallas Cowboys, one of their main successes this season has been their ability to take away the tight end. They got Byron Jones, their guy they got from UConn, who if you watched the game last year, Patriots versus Cowboys, you saw that Byron Jones actually did a pretty good job against Gronkowski in the first half. But, you know, like like we saw with the Bengals. Sure, for the first half, they kept Gronk to, like, two catches. But we saw in the second half, you know, four catches. Got one against Perfect. Got one against both their safeties. Got another one against a linebacker. And then Bennett's still, like, it just eventually you crack. So I look at this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, and I look at this Patriots defense, and it's more of going to be who cracks first. Yeah. And to be honest, I just can't see the Pats defense with how well Malcolm Butler's played this season, with how well Dante Hightower's played this season, with how well Jabal Shield has played this season. It's kind of hard to see where the breaking is going to be with Landry Jones at quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, just uh, additionally going along with that, it's it, if you let up that those many yards, if your defense lets up that many yards, it's easy for uh, an offense to get into rhythm. It's easy for them to do that. But, you know, the Steelers are missing two crucial factors that if you are a defense that that lets up that many yards, 
then you can you can kind of create an identity for yourself and you can still be a great defense if you are ball hawking, if you're forcing turnovers, if you're getting to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to make the, the Giants analogy, once again, entering into this, this offseason, they added, uh, you know, Olivier Vernon. They brought back on uh, JPP. They got Hankins was healthy again. They got Snacks Harrison. Huge D-line. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then they add... They had Janoris Jenkins, who is was the ball hawk corner. And then, you know, through six weeks of the season, you look at the Giants and their team sans identity. They don't they they built themselves as a sack team and as a turnover team, and they're not they doing either sacks of those turnovers. No. <laughs> so going along with that with Pittsburgh, I mean, less so in this case, because it wasn't like the Steelers were actively spending hundreds of millions of dollars to be create this identity. Those two key things of, of turnovers and sacks they don't have them and if you want to if you want to you know if you just look historically at who has been able to deal with new england in big games once again this is week seven this isn't necessarily a big game uh big game for the steelers i'd say uh, it'd be crucial for them to win this right. they don't have that ability to get to brady which has shook him in the past yep. and i i just don't see I, I feel like brady's gonna have all day back there and he's gonna be able to play part i think we're gonna see jimmy garoppolo in the fourth quarter i, I would i'd be more confident in the Patriots' ability to to uh, stop a pass rush, but based on what we saw last week with Cincinnati, who who does have a good D line, you know they got mm-hmm. Michael Johnson, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Adkins, Pat Sims, like they have a good starting front four. But at the same time, it was it was a little iffy to see Shaq Mason not play so well. It's a little iffy to see David Andrews not play so well. And Nate Solder has been. Uh, a stalwart for them at left tackle so far this year. Marcus Cannon has been what if you were to look at Mark, Marcus Cannon and say, how would he do as a starting right tackle? You'd probably be Meh, league average. That's exactly what no, he's, been. he's been. A league and, average and, right and, tackle. And, and uh, to Cannon, you know, he's, he was dealing, I forget what exactly the injury was. He was limited in practice over the past few weeks uh, just with issues. But yeah, no, he's like, would I take Marcus Cannon to Marshall Newhouse? Yes. Would I take, uh, a, a mason jar full of bees to marshall newhouse probably um <laughs> either way i have been i've been content i've been content with the with the with the patriots offense i think or sorry offensive line i think they are due uh you know going along i mean bill's game whatever you can you can pull that out just eh. it, it, write it off as is a jacoby Brissett thing yeah. a rex ryan thing whatever i don't ever want to call anything a rex <laughs> ryan thing he's not a good coach he is, he, he's historically a subpar coach Regardless, I think you will see. Uh, I don't know when it's going to come. I think it's going to come after the bye at some point. Maybe, maybe like week 12, 11. You're going to see the Patriots offensive line look dumb, like look bad. They're, mm-hmm. gonna, they're going to. It have always a happens. Bad game. It happens like happens like three or four times a year where the the, the Patriots offensive line just like doesn't work. Yeah. Like it just doesn't work. And you'll you'll have. I mean, this is speaking as as a media member. For myself is that geez uh so proud is, <laughs> someone there, there's gonna be all these articles written about it's like is the patriots offense broken more <laughs> <laughs> the, explain, the NFL, explained in five gifts from michael scott from the office and it's just no and that's it that's the whole thing no <laughs> but they will look so bad at some point this season but the time being they're fine i think they're gonna get rested up after the bye and, and they will hold off but uh there's going to be a very bad performance coming up but overall I'm fine with I'm fine with our offensive line. So we have the Steelers offense, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Sammy Coates versus the Pats defense that has impressed the past couple weeks, have not allowed over twenty points since the Dolphins game where they gave up twenty one or twenty four. Yeah. Um but they haven't really this team has done a great job of not giving up points. You have a Patriots offense that right now can't stop scoring points, thirty five points against the Bengals in the basically all in the second half. And then the first half against the Browns game, they put up twenty seven points with Tom Brady coming back with three touchdowns in the first half. So clearly this is a team that can put up points. Mm-hmm. Both of these teams can put up points. But again, the Steelers have had this weird thing of playing up to the team that they're going up against. They play down to the Dolphins. They play down to the Jets. They play. They're probably going to play up to the Patriots. So, Sam, all things considered, Landry Jones at quarterback, Tom Brady returns, healthy defense, healthy O line. How do you see this game playing out? Give me your prediction. Uh, I I, I, I briefly said it earlier on. I'm going to stick with it. I've been kind of dan- dancing around in my head. Uh, it's going to read three one one three New England over over uh, Pittsburgh. 
you're going to see expect a, a math first quarter. I'm going to say yeah. from both sides. I don't. I'm not going to say that the that Steelers are going to pull ahead anything. Uh, I think the best chance for the Steelers to have a lead is they're going to go maybe up three nothing in the first quarter, and then it's going to be all Pats. Maybe there's going to be some researching. I don't see the Steelers scoring more than one touchdown. Honestly, I think it's going to be a touchdown. Maybe downtown Antonio Brown or like a long, long run. (laughs) Also known as Sticky Bun, uh, my (laughs) boy Sticky Bun, Uh, or Le'Veon Bell will will go off and and crank a long one. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see that 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 Steelers offense being able to get the ball rolling. I I see Landry Jones kind of. You know, meh, just doing meh. Uh, and then, yeah, I think I think the Patriots will, will really get rolling in the second quarter. I think they will, I want to say, halftime, they'll be up, you know, two scores or something mm-hmm. like that. And then they'll be able to coast through the, uh, the second half. But also, speaking to just their offense, speaking to Edelman, uh, his catch percentage as of like two weeks ago was pr- still pretty solid. He's still getting a lot of targets. Uh, he's not a guy I'd want on my fantasy team, but he's going to have a resurgence. I think they should sit him one week and just give him a week. Uh, they're fine as far as number, as far as, uh, you know, as far as offensive weapons go. Chris Hogan is Julian Edelman 2.0. Uh, Martellus Bennett and Gronkowski are Hernandez and Gronkowski before that happened. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's my long and short of it. 31, 13 Patriots. They continue to roll. Tom goes above 400 yards once again. Uh, and I, I think that Tom, as the potential, I mean, the math's off in my head, but I think Tom's going to finish in top 15 or top 15, maybe even top 10 in passing yards on the year. I still think Tom Brady's going to win the MVP. <laughs> the, 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 a growing faction of NFL fans will, will probably get bigger. As hey, man, the that goes mason on. jar full of bees has really improved this year. So, <laughs> hey, so no, uh, but Marshall Newhouse has not. No. But anyway, sure. Sam Benson Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you coming on on Patriots Beat. Thank you so much. We'll see you around. All right, everyone, it is now time for the Patriots Beat Podcast Pick of the Week. We'll be going through the NFL lines for this upcoming Sunday and try to give you guys a good idea of who you guys should pick for your one bet of the week. There are a lot of interesting games that you could uh, be looking for. You could look at the Bears versus uh, Green Bay, which the line right now is 7.5. Recording this on the Thursday before this upcoming Sunday. I wouldn't go anywhere near this New Orleans at Kansas City game. The line is currently favoring Kansas City by 6.5 points, but you never know what that New Orleans Saints team is going to be able to do with the amount of points that they're going to be able to put up. We have Cleveland Cincinnati at 10 points. Cincinnati being favored by 10 points. Here's another interesting one. We have Washington at Detroit with Detroit being favored by a point and a half. I'm going to say you actually take the Washington Redskins on that one. I think the Redskins have good enough corners that they're going to be able to stop the Detroit Lions on offense. I also think that the Redskins have been playing some really, really good football recently. I like the way that Kirk Cousins has played as well as the rest of that offensive line. So I say take the Redskins, who are currently one-and-a-half point underdogs to the Detroit Lions. Remember, these are the reigning uh, NFC East champs, so hopefully the Redskins can take home a win this weekend uh, against the Detroit Lions and win you guys some money. Don't forget, please go listen to the Patriots post-game show after every Patriots game on Sunday. You can call in at 929-477-2386. I will be on right after the game about 4.15 or so the game ends at 4 so you'll hear me go over a uh, a little summary of the game and a little bit a little bit of offense and defense review at the end of the call but that's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat Podcast if you want to help support the show please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher music was provided by High 209 and Joshua Morse I want to thank our guests Joshua Klinger and Sam Benson Smith for joining us today I want to thank Patriots content manager Michael CLNS Radio Executive Producer Larry H. Russell and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who turned in. This is Harris, and this has been the Patriot Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Radio. Go follow me on Twitter, at SportsTeen. Shoot me some Patriots questions, and hopefully by next week we can start a little Patriots mailbag. That's it for me. Enjoy the game this Sunday, and have a great weekend.